We're listening to Michael Cohen. This is my miracle. He's talking to a former Earth And this is scary shit. Think about having, you know, Kim Jong-un times two as your supreme leader. Because that's what Donald Trump is. But I have a two-part question for you. What's the fascination that paramilitary groups have with the American Revolution? And why do paramilitary types line up behind Trump? I mean, in all fairness, but we have to really call all this out for what it is. Trump is just a rich asshole from New York City. Mm-hmm. They have absolutely nothing in fucking common at all. He's not a, he's not patriotic, right? He famously got out of the draft with bullshit bone spurs that I had to handle, right? And he wouldn't know George Washington from fucking Santa Claus. So what's the draw? I, I think it's, it, again, it's just kind of cultural mythology that has come up and and we are a country that was founded on rebellion i mean i think so much of rock and roll culture and and punk rock culture and just american culture is founded on the idea we said fuck you and Hmm. that was the birth of our country Hmm. and you know punk rock they have taken and and you know they're really good at weaponizing these these mythologies and you know the whole notion of the the three percent comes from the revolutionary idea that three percent of the population stood up to the british crown so you know it, it in part is due to this mythology building and just the 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 notion of what we have had since the time we were born that we are a country of rebels of, of you know that we, we we as a country have said fuck you for so long um so yeah i, I don't know and as far as trump goes why why they are are looking for trump is because they're really looking for anyone and anyone who's willing to step up to say i'll be that guy and if you look at the way you know QAnon specifically i mean if you look at the techniques that QAnon has used and employed i don't know if you're familiar with something called an alternative reality game um it's something that started off you know like nine inch nails with one of their albums had this alternate reality game in arg um the batman uh movie with uh heath ledger the as a joker they had an arg halo the video game had an arg where they're creating these experiences throughout the internet and through different phone lines and through you know actual interactions in real life to, to foster a, a narrative um, I actually know the guy who spearheaded a lot of that type of, you know, that type of game and marketing because it was a marketing play. And, um, you know, he's saying now that this is what QAnon has done, except that, you know, in these games, when you're playing them, like at every step along the way where they're telling you this is just a game, this is not real, you know. And they still had people problems with people believing it was real. So, you know, I think part of it is just kind of this this weaponization of things like ARGs, the blast furnaces that, you know, Facebook and these different social media groups have become, you know, it helped to sell this image that Trump was um, like this, this hero coming in. Well, well that, let, let me stop you. Let me stop because I was one of the people that were pushing the Trump lie about who he is and so on to get people to vote for him. It made sense. So let me just go back for a second. You brought up, you know, um, we've been a country of rebels telling everyone fuck you, right, and so on. 
even if we take it back to Washington and King George when, you know, we said, fuck you, we want freedom, right? There's the word, freedom. Yeah. We, want to, we want to control our own destinies. Then we have the Civil War, North versus South, right? Why? Because many people believed that black or white, you should have freedoms. So I go all right back to that same equal. word. All men are created equal, exactly. All right, then you go on and you start looking at, you know, World War One, right? And World War Two, the annihilation, genocide, etc. What did people want? They wanted their freedom. They didn't want to be ruled, all right? That's not what Donald Trump is about. Donald Trump is the exact opposite. He wants to rule you. And that's what makes it so scary that there's so many people there that that are out there in this country that today want to vote for him. When we were running in 2016, remember, his argument was that government is corrupt. And every person will tell you, yeah, it's true. Right? You have your politicians legally allowed to insider trade. What kind of bullshit is that? Yeah. They're different than you and I. They have better health care for life because they won one fucking election. This is wrong. And then what does Donald Trump come out and say? I'm really rich. Really, really rich. I don't need anybody. I don't need their support. I don't need their money. I need your support because I'm going to do for you what I did for myself in building a multi-billion dollar company. He fooled the world with his lies. He told stories about what he was going to accomplish. He then got even worse and started talking about people's innate hatred of others, right? Because we are the giant melting pot of the world. This is what Donald Trump did. And then he realized through the likes of people like Steve Bannon, that that hatred, my hatred for you, your hatred for me, is stronger than your hatred for government and wanting government not to represent themselves, but to represent us as a collective. That's the problem. And what I try to do, and you and so many others, is I try to open up people's eyes, but so many of them are so fucking brainwashed that you would have to split their head in half in order to get them to change them for me you know what it ended up taking going to prison staring at these fucking white gross ugly cinder blocks listening to a bunch of old men there at otisville farting all night long the food sucked you know missing the shit out of my family i had a picture on the side by my bed i used to sit there at nighttime and i just with my mind i used to just draw my wife's face my children's faces and you know and you can't cry in prison so you cry inside and it rips a shreds your soul to pieces and you never get past it and then i realized that i'm here not because of what i did that's the lie that i talk about in revenge but i'm there because of campaign finance violations and the fact that donald trump took his mushroom dick and you know got it pulled by a fucking porn star that, that's what it's you're the only one so far 100 yeah, I mean, you were a sacrifice <laughs> that, that's right so let me ask this to you how do we, you and I, and anyone else with a platform, wake up other brainwashed people? Because cults, as you know, they're really hard to leave. I've had a couple of cult experts on this show. Now, I do this show trying, really trying hard to educate my audience 
And I learn a lot from my guests, like, for, you know, from you. But I don't think your typical MAGA Trump lover is listening. He's not listening to the show. He's not listening to me. They're not listening when I'm on MSNBC, CNN, ABC, NBC. They're listening to Fox, OAN, and Newsmax. Do you actively seek to help other Oath Keepers or guys like them break free? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping my, my story will resound. And, I, you know, I don't think we can really get to the people that are just have jumped in feet first. But it's the people that are on the edge now that, that are looking at it and, and being pulled into it. I think that's where we can do the most good. Um, but I do think that doing what we're doing, and again, like we, we just demonstrated how the truth has no bearing on things. Really, if you've got a good spin going you know you can you can put out there whatever lies and bullshit you want and if you approach it right people are going to believe it and and maga has showed us that a large number of people will believe it um so i think we need to look at that but and i get asked this a lot especially you know doing the, the speaking engagements at georgetown law and the work i did with the international center for the study of violent extremism like how do how do we get past this like what are the best things and unfortunately the bad news is there is no easy answer there is no light switch we can just flip to off and everything's better this is something that's going to take years and years to really begin to see traction but i think we have some things going for us i think human connection and good storytelling is really one of the best tools we have in our toolbox and i think you're in the right vein with you know, talking to the experts that have worked with people that are breaking away from cults. I need to, I think we really need to look at the phenomenon of cults and what, you know, the data we've gathered over, over the years with getting people out of cults and getting them away from the brainwashing. And we need to look at how we can use those techniques to, to try to deprogram some of this, this, this wiring that's gone into people's heads and, and really return to a sense of normalcy because no one wins in the direction we're going right now. No matter what side you're on, we're all fucked um, if we continue moving the direction as a country that we are. Um, you know, the whole last chapter of my book is, is going to be, um, you know, what are the resources that are out there for people who have been in situations like mine, um, you know, in similar situations where they're ready to, to step back from the precipice and, and begin trying to engage in a normal life again. So... You know, I, unfortunately, there are no quick, easy answers, but I think we've got some, some places we can look at to, to try to heal as a country again. And, and, you know, I think even just having human conversations once again, trying to reach across, because we've really lost the, the ability, if we have a political divide, and, you know, your, your crazy Uncle Bob, you know, all he's talking about is, is parroting Trump uh, talking points. Um, we've got to get to back to a point where we can have civil conversations. And I think that starts with just us reaching out instead of just blocking the friend that, that is spouting off on Let's something some that time. you just are not okay with. You normally hit that block button or just stop engaging. I, I think we need to reach out and, and try to have these conversations. And it's not going to be easy. You know, our country is riddled with these these periods of unrest that I call growing pains. We as a country have done some of the most amazing things in the world. You know, we did get rid of slavery. We did give women the right to vote. We did provide, you know, reproductive health care for women. 
we are grappling with the growing pains of that now and that's what we're seeing with you know figuring our shit out and, and here in colorado where i live you know we, we've been labeled the hate state um because of the early legislation that happened with you know gay marriage but that was part of the process part of the process of getting to a better place is going through you know grappling with these issues and figuring them out i still have hope for this country and that we're going through some really hard growing pains right now but i i've got to have faith i've got to have faith that we're going to figure our shit out and, and get to a better place not when you have not when you have the number of politicians that are uh, election deniers that are trumpists not even pro trump they just believe in trumpism and these are the ones that are now winning their primaries if they end up taking seats right i mean you i don't have to tell you you know the damage that they're going to cause to this you know to this country and you know it's they are rabid they are raging and that's how they end up promoting themselves in front of their you know their audience right their constituents they're not even constituents anymore it's more of an audience right let's just play to the audience let's say the most vile disgusting things that you can say right because it's popular in that area but look jason here on mea culpa things go by very quickly right and as we come to the end right uh the end of the hour i have just one last question you know for you kind of more of a personal one because you have your book coming out in february and you know congratulations and i have mine which is coming out in october yeah, um hey, send Michael. me a copy yours i'll send you a copy of my deal i'll autograph it for you but if you would tell me a little more about it because the, obviously the title is self-explanatory the perils of extremism how i left the oath keeper and why we should be concerned about a future civil war i mean there's no there's no surprise that mine is revenge you're not really sure where that one's going right but lots of us write books right to um exercise ourselves from intense chapters of our lives um in essence so that we can move on yeah. i have not been able to do that yet i mean i'm, I'm i suffer every day um, have you moved on at all since writing your book and if so like to what extent i'm, I'm hoping that the book is is a vehicle that will help me to move on like i am ready to move on um you know the world has a different notion on that because they, suddenly the world wants to hear this story um the book goes over really my experiences from day one of of getting embedded with stuart Rhodes and traveling down to an armed standoff um and and keep in mind like i'm just some punk rock guy from colorado who happened to, to to be good enough at social engineering to to get embedded in with Stuart Rhodes going down to an armed government standoff um and it takes you through my coverage it takes you through um my actually accepting a job with the Oath Keepers and becoming more and more indoctrinated um the process of that and then that 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 oh shit moment where I kind of got shaken back to myself like what the fuck am I doing what did I you know and and then talking about the process from that point on you know kind of going into a reclusive hiding mode you know I did a lot of work for many years with some of the top shelf journalists in the country but always off the record you know I I, I had a network of journalists that would call me up and and ask me for things and it was always stated like this is off the record like do not use my name in anything and then i made the decision in september of last year to allow one one article be you know have a, a section of quotes attributed to me 
and uh, that just set off the avalanche, which, which led us to where we are today. And um, you know, talking about the, the just the experience of um, the the congressional hearings and that whole process, because it's not just that you know, forty five minutes I was in front of the select committee. This was something that went on for. Yeah, for, you know, it, it went on for, you know, months. I, I, I had been to Washington beforehand. It's just a long process. So just talking about that. But more than anything, so there have been books written about the Oath Keepers, but they're generally written by academics that are in their ivory towers and university. They don't have any actual real-life human experience. So, you know, I, I, I got back to my roots of saying, you know what, I did go through this experience, and I think it's a story people want and need to hear right now, dude, to see the truth of how an organization like the Oath Keepers functions from the inside out, because I got just a bird's eye view, you know, for a year and a half of, of how Stuart Rhodes, and keep, keep in mind, you know, the Oath Keepers starts and ends with Stuart Rhodes. That is the entire command and control structure of the Oath Keepers. Um, but it was, you know, just a, a regular guy's view of what is happening with this group that wound up storming the Capitol and, and almost becoming a paramilitary wing for a dictatorial rogue president. Yeah. Well, Jason Van Tendels, let me thank you for joining me today on Mea Culpa. Um, I wish you the best with the book if you... You know, stay in touch. Um, I will do the same, you know, with you because Absolutely. we have we have a big job ahead of us. We have 90 days out, and the more that we can speak truth to power, the better off I believe the country will be. So thank you for joining me. Stay safe, um, and I will definitely see you soon. All right. Thanks for having me on, Michael. You got it. This is and my... now for today's mea culpa. It used to irritate me when people would compare some aspect of our government or legal system with the Taliban. Even as much as I loathe Trump, I never liked anyone using the term American Taliban to describe his presidency or the administration. It just seemed like a gross overstatement. But then, as things shifted and the Supreme Court banned abortion, the U.S. started to feel like it was leaning towards a handmaid's tale or some other dystopian nightmare. But, again, not the Taliban. Not until recently. Perhaps I became aware of it in the aftermath of the Uvalde school massacre, when leaders and law enforcement took active measures to erase the truth of what went down there and replace it with silence. Anger at anyone who dared ask real questions, we were told it was disrespectful to the families of the slain children to ask questions or to show the footage of police lined up in a hallway trying themselves not to get killed. But Texas has been in the business of whitewashing and erasing the truth for a while now. Every morning, school children in Texas recite an oath to their state that includes the words, I pledge allegiance to thee, Texas, one state under God. But Republican lawmakers in Texas are trying to reframe Texas' history lessons and play down references to slavery and anti-Mexican discrimination that are part of the state's founding. And replace it with silence and bullshit. So nearly a dozen other Republican-led states are now trying to ban or limit how the role of slavery and the effects of racism can be taught in schools. Florida is one of those states, of course. I mean, they just cranked up the 
bullshit machine to have some math books rewritten to reframe what? Math? Well, a Florida Department of Education review of 132 math books. I mean, folks, you can't make this shit up. Has led to the banning of more than 40% of them due to what the state calls prohibited topics, including critical race theory and social emotional learning. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Their excuse for lying to our school children is that the history, math, and English can indoctrinate children by telling them what? The truth? Re-education campaigns, parents' rights and education, don't say gay, banning books. I mean, what the fuck? This is the work of the American Taliban. Slam the perspective of the news to reflect Christian nationalism. That's the work of the American Taliban. A Supreme Court that bans abortion and reduces women to second-class citizens is the work of the American Taliban. I mean, there is no fucking virtue in this oppressive approach to education. It's just an excuse to keep the white man in power a little longer. But rewriting history isn't going to change it. The last census projects that by 2045, whites will become the minority in America. And we better hope that whoever gets to write history next isn't kind to the American Taliban. Because America won't be great again until we live with the truth and truly learn from it. Mia Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Minus Touch, and LSJ Media, written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustan, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And yep. folks, I promise you, it's coming. So well, stay tuned you, as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Yay. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Don't love me, don't bury my story, don't crack me. It's my time that's fine by me. Tuesday tennis to the kids' home.